Good morning, pre-market prep. Are you guys ready to get started? I should have known something about Netflix when I caught the wife watching Wednesday. I don't know if you guys caught Wednesday, but definitely Netflix earnings coming in. A surprise on the subscribers. We'll talk all about that. We'll talk about the Fed comments that I think are very important to start catching. Google doing some layoffs. You guys know how that's been working out. Wayfair also following the norm. Seems like that's the norm now. Slash some jobs. Nordstrom, pre-announcement. We got another tape bomb. And of course, we got Tom Lackey in the house today. Excited to talk about the man behind the term tape bomb. We'll talk a little bit about that. Bed Bath & Beyond receiving a notice from the NASDAQ. Eli Lilly, Regenron. Ally Financial. We got a lot to talk about right here on Pre-Market Prep. Let's get it started, team. Rise and shine. Let's go, Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, team, let's go ahead. Let's get it started. We'll do a little different. I'll bring on Dennis already. We'll start talking about the market. I'm going to bring up Stop. my screen here. Looks like we are in a little bit of a battle here. Sideways action since pretty much yesterday. I mean, you think about it yesterday at 10 a.m. We were at 389.28. We're at 389.97. Maybe we get into the 390 handle, but really not much going on since yesterday. But we do got some news, of course, that we'll talk about. Let me just quickly run through the rundown. TLT down a little bit, hanging in there a little bit better than I feel like the market, right? We can clearly see that. Um, I was looking at WTI yesterday. We are kind of battling back and forth. Let's see where we're at right now, 80.67. Let's see if we can stay in the 80 handle for crude. That would be good for the uh, energy bulls out there. Um, and then definitely, if you look at BXY, let's take a look at the dollar index at 102.35. We'll look to see if that can stay uh, below 104. There's some resistance there, right? And we're looking to see if we can keep cutting down. We'll see what happens there on the dollar index. Gold was having a decent day yesterday. Silver having a little bit of a bounce back. We'll see what happens to those names. But let's get back to the spy action. Let's talk about what did you see yesterday? Not much there, right, Dennis? It seemed like the, I think the bulls though were, were thinking that maybe we could just bounce right back up. We didn't really get that yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those days it was like a little bit of chop and then we sold off towards the end of the day. So it was definitely a choppy day. We sold mm -hmm. off in the morning and then the afternoon we get the rally and then we decide to sell off again. So again, just fading everything continues to work. It's what is working in this market. And I mean, we're sitting here, the calm before the earnings storm is really what this is, Mitch, because we've got yeah. all these earnings stocks coming next week. I'm just looking at the calendar. Next week, we got Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Tesla, Intel, Ooh. MasterCard, Boeing, Visa, uh, AT&T. We'll hear from Chevron. I hear from American Express. 
It's not the big, big guns, but there's a few big guns in there, obviously, with Microsoft and Tesla. So, and then the following week, we're going to get all the big guns, all the big mega cap techs. So, what does this mean? It just means we're kind of choppy and everybody's waiting those earnings. Are they going to be good? Are they not going to be good? We've got one big gun last night, and that was Netflix. The earnings themselves on Netflix was not great, but the subscriber numbers were excellent. And we know Netflix always trades on subscriber numbers, Mitch. So it's your driver this morning. It's why the market is up. It's up another 21 points. It feels like a selling opportunity to me, though. Obviously, you know, I sold my Netflix a little while ago at 306, so now it's went up another 10%. I just feel like it's 31 times earnings here now. Yes, the subscriber metrics, yes, they were good. But again, they marketed, and there was a, a tweet going through on my Twitter, and I don't know if it's true or not, but they were just talking about the marketing, heavy marketing to try to get those subscriber numbers up. So that's why the expenses actually were higher as well. I'm just not sure you can just keep marketing and marketing and marketing your way to new subscribers here and it's going to work out in the long run. But that's what worked out in this quarter. A lot of heavy marketing to pick up new subscribers, and they did. That they did. Let's give their numbers here. Netflix Q4 EPS at $0.12, cents, missing the $0.44 cent estimate. Sales at $7.85 billion, beat the eight, uh, $7.84 estimate. Now, Netflix's big miss on EPS was due to a loss related in euro-denominated debt. So it looks like the analysts had that estimate wrong. Of course, uh, FX affected that. Netflix added 7.66 million paid subscribers during the fourth quarter, more than 4.57 million uh, than Wall Street expected. Also, founder Reed Hastings is stepping down as co-CEO and will be executive chairman. Now, one thing that I think that is important is that we didn't really find out how many of these uh, paid subscribers were for their ad tier? How many were their premium? Or what was included in this? If someone dropped the premium and then got the uh, the ad tier, was were they included in this paid subscriber, right? Um, that's things that I think we need to find out a little bit more. But they're not giving us the true insight underneath the hood. I think overall, just the paid subscribers increasing definitely gave it the lift. Now we just need to keep watching how their ad tier actually performs. Uh, in the call, um, they did talk about how they're kind of taking a look at Disney's Hulu as one of the top models out there and learning from that model. And they said that even like Hulu's had a 10-year advantage in this game. So they're learning a lot from how Hulu approaches, uh, approaches things. I think we're in as good as it gets uh, environment here for Netflix and just not meaning subscribers going up, the stock has rallied so far. So not just talking so much for the company, but just the stock. I mean, we've expanded the multiple almost back to kind of where it was. I just feel like if you're buying it now, I still feel like you're doing it backwards. And again, I felt that at 300. It's continued its merry party to 337. But, you know, to your point, looking at that chart, this is really the area that we broke down from. Yeah. So, you know, nice technicals that you can show here. We were in this whole 330, 340 area when we had the big miss back a year ago, going back to April 2022. That was the gap down. We come back to where we were before. And if you want to do the whole fun 50% retracement, 690 all the way down to 164. Oh, man, this is early math in the morning. And you I probably, got you, man. I don't I think you. we're we're not even close to it, actually. So yeah, that's, you still that's have moved to the 430s. 50. Yeah, you still have quite a move to the, to the 50 if you're trying to get there. But 
I just don't think we're in the environment where we need to chase stocks. I don't think we're in the environment where we need to buy something up 7%. I think this one could fade over the course of the next few days. Um, I'm not chasing it. Now, again, anything can happen. We don't have a crystal ball. Um, and no, and obviously I've been bearish on a lot of stocks here, but I'm just not buying rips. It's not the market to buy rips in. Yeah, we can take a look also how this affected maybe some of the relationship plays, right? Like the House of Mouse and Roku, those yeah. like to move off of these. Yeah. You can see how they reacted in the after hours. It did get a little bit of a pop. Disney came right back down there and then started slowly climbing. It looks a little bit better now that it's starting to hold the 100 spot. Definitely going to be looking to see if Disney can hold 100 today, but also Roku's chart, right? That one popped and held a little bit more of the pop there. We'll see what happens with these. I was actually trying to get a short Roku yesterday. Uh, I got stopped out once on that one. A little one. scary taking into the Netflix number. Yeah, yeah. My thing wasn't to hold it overnight. It was more like just would they knock it down before it. But hey, that's how it was. It wasn't actually a bad move. You can see it went to the low of the day near around 12 o'clock, but then got yeah. the little bounce back towards the close. What do you think about these stocks? Will they continue some of this? Well, again, if you're trading Roku or even Disney, Netflix is your leader. If Netflix starts to roll over, these will roll over too. If Netflix continues its merry run and tests the after hours high, which I think was around 347, yeah. um, these stocks can continue to lift too. I'm actually surprised Roku didn't get more of a pop on this. Um, you got Netflix trading up and Roku's only up a buck. Um, I don't know. I just felt feel like a lot of times you see Roku really move on the Netflix numbers. I got it's I guess it's up a third of it, but I, I kind of would have thought Roku. I, I'd be disappointed if I was long Roku right now and seeing Netflix up this much and Roku only trading up a buck. So I don't know if that's a sign or if they know they're gonna come in Johnny come lately here, but I'm surprised it's not up more. And then that doesn't also, mean I'm buying it though. A uh, smaller relationship like Para or WBD. Those are all up. You see how they're up, right? We'll see how those can get affected. I know Warner Brothers took a dip yesterday and, and the day prior. We'll look to see if this is able to recover back up there. How do you feel about stocks like this that have been having January effect? Might have caught a little bit of a bounce yesterday. Should we be kind of just holding on yesterday's lows? That's what I'll be looking at at least to see if it cuts down like para 1917. It's already up there at 1982. We'll look to see what happens with these. I mean, this is the January effect, Mitch. WBD, horrible year. And I mean, absolutely horrible. Stock started the year up at $30. Ended the year basically on the lows at nine bucks. And it's yeah. been straight up. This is a calendar effect. A calendar effect straight up into in 2023. It's been one of the best performers. Like what a turnaround story. Turnaround story, me, January effect, yelp. And I mean, this is just, you know, classic play, textbook play. Par, same thing, closing week on the year. They do have lower PEs, but again, these aren't huge growth businesses here either. And I know a lot of these, you know, you've got Paramount, and they've got their streaming business as well. But let's be honest, Paramount, you know, it's not Netflix. So I just, you know, can't see it eventually getting, you know, that 30 times and it's going to expand in the multiple. Like some people think if they can really start competing on streaming, they got a lot of legacy businesses there too. So I think it's more of a selling opportunity than a buying opportunity. All right, let's keep moving. Let's get towards the next headline. Of course, we'll go to Google. I know you guys are probably seeing it. I'll just go to uh, Google here. Uh, Google CEO said in an email that the company staff Friday that the 
the firm is laying off 12,000 employees here. Over the past two years, we've seen dramatic growth to match and fuel that growth we hired in for different economic reality than the one we face today. That was said in the memo, thought that was definitely important to catch. And I think the CEOs are telling us something, right? If they see a different economic reality ahead, shouldn't we? I think that's what they keep telling us, but we're ignoring that. We're just like, oh, cutting expenses. We love cutting expenses now. You're cutting expenses mainly because obviously maybe you overpaid a lot of people and maybe you're just cutting the fat out. Maybe that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's not a sign that everything is rosy and everything's going so well right now. It's a sign that companies are preparing for softer times. Benioff mm -hmm. flat out said it. Microsoft said it. I didn't read the Google headlines if they said it or not. But when you're cutting when you're cutting staff, it's not a sign that you're just gonna you know oh yeah this is it you know revenue is gonna grow like crazy here now. Well, maybe it's gonna help your bottom line a little bit, but it's probably at the expense of the top line to a certain extent as well. Google, I am long, so I'm kind of talking against my book. I've had in the long term account for the better part of 15 years. I'm not selling it. It's one of the only ones that I've you know not sold or not hedged. Um, it's got major resistance at 100 bucks. So, so if you bring up the GOOG, 97, we've had a nice run here from 85 to 97. Major, super duper resistance at 100. You're approaching that. I'm definitely not buying it here. And if I had it on for a trade, I would be thinking about selling in the 98s and 99s. Again, I'm not going to sell it because I've just been in it for so long and my cost basis is very low. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare, right, Patrick, for people to be laying off if they're doing well, right? That wouldn't really make sense. So we got to be careful, I think, for future earnings, what's going to show up there. But, of course, we'll see when we get the reports, right? That's what's going to be big, important next week. We'll see what happens with some of these bigger tech names. Do we end up getting the tape bomb, right? We'll find out. Excited to have Tommy it's, Lackey it, on yeah. in a little bit here. We'll definitely talk all about tape bombs once he comes on. We'll talk about how there's been some already. We'll see if he's also weary for another one coming soon. Let's keep going. Let's go to Wayfair now uh, as Wayfair plans to slash and do the same. They're slashing 1,750 jobs representing 10% of its global workforce as of December 31st, uh, 2022. They also expect 68 million to 78 million in cost-related uh, reduction there. Uh, so there you guys see it. That should help at least there. And also see 750 million of analyzed labor reduction and 500 million analyzed operation cost savings. Another dumb rally, in my opinion, and why this is even more dumb is that they told us this before the close yesterday. So they already said it was a report, and if we go and we grab that report, I'm not sure if you can grab it out of the pro or if we can grab it out. This was reported before the close, because I saw this at like 3.30 yesterday. So I don't get it. Look at this. Look in the pro. Thursday, 3.46 p.m. Wayfair is preparing to cut more than 1,000 jobs, sources say, WSJ. They don't do anything on it. The stock doesn't even move on that headline. And then it comes out with the official headline that they're cutting jobs and the stock rallies 7%. You want to mm -hmm. talk about inefficient markets, there you go. So next time we see an, a rumor that they're cutting jobs, I guess we buy the stock because it's going to go up 7% when they officially announce it. 
That's crazy. Can you show that in the pro? Let's show the yeah, value. Of the I have pro. it right there. I have yeah. it right there. Oh, sorry. You guys see it here. No worries. You're so good. point it out. Three forty-six uh, right yesterday. Here. Well before the close, stock was trading. Stock traded for fifteen minutes and traded the entire after-hour session. And that, that came from Wall Street Journal. They, yep. they were they were putting out the rumor there. And then at seven ten in the morning, Wayfair finally puts out the PR there that and then says. It pops that says that they were going to actually do it. So that's why we got to kind of sometimes be looking for those rumors, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news. Is this what's going to happen with Wayfair that, today? That's what would we'll work what right happens. now. I mean, yeah, I would book the gain. I'd be very quick to book the gains. I think there's tougher times ahead for Wayfair. I think you got Google maybe cutting some fat. I'd still think Wayfair maybe obviously cutting fat out here too. But at the same time, I just think there's tough times ahead. And, you know, my buddy Jeff, Jeff, shout out if you're listening, sending me like just the, the he's into the, like the physical toys, you know, looking at like he was looking at Corvette prices, you know, on Marketplace. He's looking at trailers. He's looking at all that stuff. In the my hard area, assets. It is coming down hard right now. We have mm -hmm. deflation happening. Boat prices collapsing. Toys collapsing. Snowmobile prices, it's snowmobile season up here. They're going down too. People are selling off toys. So we've now entered the next phase of the cash crunch. We And I tweeted out a chart last night. Maybe you can grab this too because it's yeah. part of the whole Go conversation. Ahead. From Zero Hedge, we love you, Zero Hedge. Um, tweet, he tweeted out, um, we got, if you can show the chart there. No worries, I got it. Just showing cash it. savings and credit card debt. So we're going to bring it up and I retweeted it there. There's the wolf. <laughs> yeah, that's why I tweet a lot. There you go. Click the zero hedge one. Yeah, he tweets look at a this lot. Chart. You guys see that? Look at this chart. Zero hedge props. U.S. savings rates. Look at the U.S. savings rates. What has happened since, you know, obviously we had the COVID. Look what happened in the pandemic. Money. Everybody giving out money. Giving out money. That's what the money was. Giving it out. We're giving out credit card debt just collapsing because we had so much cash. Cash savings going up. What has happened in the last, in 2020 to 2021, started to exhaust that. 20 to 21 to 2022, that is all gone. Mm -hmm. The cash savings are now gone. The credit card debt is now soaring. So now you've got people who are strapped for cash. They don't have savings. They have a huge amount of credit card debt. And they're like, man, we need some more money. What are they starting to do? They're starting to sell the toys, the yep. big toys. Well, let's get rid of my sled. Let's get rid of the boat. Let's get rid of the trailer. And that's what you're seeing happen is those prices are starting to come down here too. This is all the way it was supposed to play out. We've been talking about this path for the last six months. We are now in the next stage where they actually don't have any more savings. The credit card debt is too high now, so they're running out of that. So now they're going and, and taking money from elsewhere. You know what happens after the toys? They start not going out for dinner. They start not spending as much. So this yep. consumer spending, is, in my opinion, is going to fall off a cliff coming to your coming to a theater near you very very soon consumer spending going to fall off a cliff not good for anything wayfair not good for anything yeah google microsoft salesforce preparing for this they're not blind the market's blind they're not blind i think it's a rough road ahead here yeah they have the outlook right they have the numbers they're not just going to go ahead and just cut jobs if they could see growth ahead right i don't think that would make sense right no. So then so what it is, is that they don't see that growth ahead. Exactly. And so they're, they know they need to bat the hatches down and, and so. kind of hang out there, survive, and then they can grow again, right? That's what the good companies will do. 
They'll be flexible on their cost, adjust, hang on, survive, and then go back to try to go back into thriving stage. But when will that thriving stage come? It'll be when we're finally talking about pivot. At least that's what I feel will happen there. And just to kind of give the Fed comments that have been coming out, I think it's an important thing. Yesterday, we got Brainyard saying, of course, that interest rates need to remain high, even though there's signs of inflation starting to ease. But then there's specific wording in the quotes that I think that you guys need to be paying attention to. Um, she said that even with recent moderations, inflation remains high. Policy will be made will need to stay sufficiently restrictive for some time to make sure inflation returns to 2%. And this is where I think it's important. Start catching how multiple Fed are saying on a sustained basis. This morning, Net uh, New York President John Williams quoted as saying, it's clear that monetary policy still has more work to do to bring inflation down to our 2% goal on a sustained basis. He also added that wording at the end of that. What does sustained basis mean? I think that's what you need to be asking yourself right now. In my eyes, that means what? We need to get to 2% and stay there, looking for maybe potentially multiple reports of inflation going to 2%. Then the pivot could come. That's why I think that we have, we're in for prolonged higher interest rates for a longer time than even the market expects. If the rates stay up here for a longer time, it eventually hits the consumer. Eventually, they got to get a new car. You're not getting 0% financing anymore. You're looking at it at 7 or 8%. Eventually, you know, you've got other housing expenses. You've got other expenses as well. I know some people are on 30-year fixed in the U.S. It's not the way it is in other countries. They typically don't have them 30-year fixed. They're usually 5-year fixed, you know, in Canada. And then, you know, it, it comes up again. But, I mean... I guess if you got a 30-year fixed mortgage and you're sitting at 3.9, you're laughing to a certain extent. But there's some people that are maybe trying to get into a mortgage. Maybe there's some people that, you know, that to, to the KB Homes thing the other day, people building a house. They're canceling those contracts. Why are they canceling those contracts? Because they're looking at, one, the expense of the house is just so much more than what it was two years ago. And then two is they're looking at interest rates. and like, well, I'm going to do a mortgage on this thing. I'm going to get murdered. So, I mean, everything just changes. The Fed's plan works. It just works slowly. And I think the Fed has overshot. I think the interest rates are going to stay up here for a while, to Bullard's comment. And I think eventually it will throw us into a hard landing, not soft landing, hard landing. There's some people stating in the chat. If we there, land at all. There's some people stating in the chat there, Dennis, that we will never get back to 2%. That's exactly I what I think. Yeah, oh, the I Fed will just keep there. doing it. Well, I think we're going to 2%, and I think it's at the cost of a massive recession. That's the truth, and that's the unfortunate truth, right, is that we we keep hearing that they're going to keep pushing to 2%. They haven't laid off on that, and if they're saying sustained basis, well, then that means not only 2%, but staying there, right? Multiple reports maybe even. We'll have to wait and find out, right? It's going to get ugly. I think it's going to be corporate earnings. The only way is if they find the silver lining and they buy them on bad earnings. And people say, oh, they're doing that with Netflix today. But they're not. Netflix trades on subscriber data. So, yes, the EPS missed. But Netflix has always trade off subscriber data. And that subscriber data blew it away. At the cost of huge marketing, which is why the EPS was weak, because they marketed the hell to get those subscribers. So they basically built the top line at the expense of the bottom line is what Netflix did. That's what this market always loved. I just think we're moving into more of an EPS. So I don't think they're going to continue to love that if all of a sudden, you know, Netflix has to continue to spend like that. 
to grow the subscribers, they're eventually going to say, well, they're not making much money doing it this way. So I, I just don't think it's a sustainable path to market the hell out of, you know, the consumer in order to get more subscribers. All right, let's keep going. We'll get out of the Fed talk. Let's go to Nordstrom as we got another kind of pre-announcing kind of tape bomb that came in here. I uh, got to grab the banner for you guys here. I'll throw it up at the bottom here. Uh, so Nordstrom reporting here. Let's go towards JWN. You guys can see it took a big hit after hours. It reported net sales decrease of 3.5% for the nine-week holiday period ending in December 31st. 2022 cutting fiscal year 22 eps guidance from two dollars and 30 cents on a high end to two dollars and 60 cents now down to a dollar 50 and a dollar 70 on the high end so definitely missing there off their fiscal year 2022 eps guidance nordstrom taking a big hit to the downside again maybe they buy the dip maybe we're in the dip market but i'm going to tell you this is telling us a different story. Nordstrom, mm -hmm. this is consumer spend, holiday spend. I kept saying they're going to find the money to spend through the holidays. Well, they didn't find it at Nordstrom. That's yeah. concerning. Because I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to get better in January, February, and March. So the holiday season is when they make it. Obviously, holiday sales, you know, we, it's already in the business. We know the sales go down in the next quarter. But I'm just saying, if you can't find the money during the holiday season, you're probably not going to find it in January, February, and March. I think this is when you're going to see, and again, some of these businesses might have okay quarters because I do think fourth quarter, people are finding the money still. I think it's going ahead. I think like the second quarter earnings is where you're going to really see the pain. So this quarter might be okay, but maybe the warnings could get us if companies are actually warning, but they might be like UAL and just be like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to make no money no matter what. You know, they don't you know, prepare for a rainy day, no conservative guidance there whatsoever. Market called the CEO's bluff. Um, I'm calling the CEO's bluff too. That's why I'm not buying it because if it was trading at a P of five or six, which it is right now, you'd be like, wow, I can't lose on this. I just think the earnings aren't sustainable. I think there is going to be tougher times. And I think even travel will come down. But travel is the one thing that's sticky right now. People haven't done a lot of it. I've been talking about it. I haven't traveled anywhere. On a, I haven't been on a plane in two years. So I'm like, I'm kind of itching to go somewhere and do something. Joel's flying right now. People have the travel bug right now. And that is what is benefiting. But eventually, if you start running out of money, and eventually you're going to not travel as much. I think what's going to happen there, Dennis, is that, yeah, people might stop traveling some when you see that consumer crunch happen. But I don't think businesses are going to slow down on events this year. And I think that that's where you're going to see a little bit come back. I'm looking for business travel to come back this year. Why? I just feel like we've kicked it out the water. We're not so worried about COVID like we used to be. You're yeah. seeing mad events everywhere, big events, right? We just had also the World Cup. You didn't hear too much negative about COVID from the World Cup. So what's going to hold back uh, event planners, right? I don't think that's going to be held back this year. And there's going to be a lot more business travel this year than there was last year. And if anything, it might get back to that pandemic, right? We talked about for a while that would business travel ever come back to pre-pandemic levels? I think this year it completely does. And if anything, gets even further, right? We'll see what happens on those airlines. But definitely uh, just going back to that JWN, just wanted to also point how Macy's also taking a hit. 
It has been getting a little bit of a lift since January. So I'm a little bit worried that Macy's comes right back down. You guys can see that in the pre-market. That's taking a hit. And the monster, even Dillard's might come down off of this. KSS definitely also taking a hit. Well, we see all the department stores turn to the downside today. I guess just keep watch on that JWN. We'll look. To yeah, see and I'm still long Kohl's and the long-term accounts. Been a terrible position there. Obviously, I bought it back. You know, when the times were rosier, and I thought I was getting taken over, and then it didn't, and then I had the big slam down. And I was like, wow, it's come down so far that I feel like a lot of bad news is priced in. It actually has come to the same spot. It was thirty dollars when it collapsed that day. It's still around thirty dollars, and the times have got a lot worse. Um, but again, it's tough right now. I don't think I want to own the retailers. I know these low PEs are attractive and you look at Nordstrom trading before and you're like, oh, it's trading P is seven. Well, all of a sudden that P just dumped up to 10 or 11 because the earnings are going down. Remember, it's a multiple, the P price on the top, the E on the bottom, that E starts going down, that PE goes up. I'll tell you what, team, you guys do me the favor, smash the like. I got someone in the back that wants to join us on this conversation. Ooh, Hit yeah. the like button. Let's get it started. Tommy Lackey, managing and portfolio manager at Relativity Capital Advisor, powerinvestings.com. Welcome back. The man that brought us the, hey, the term. What's going on, Tommy? Not a lot. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, Tommy. We're doing good. What he's talking about is that tape bomb. I love her. Tommy Lackey was the one that came on this show and said, you got to watch out for those tape bombs. And I like abuse that. I try to credit you as much as I can with it because I took that term I, from you, man. But I, don't I tell know you, that it's I'm, such a great term because that's what we've seen I don't know that happening. Uh-oh. Tommy, losing you a little bit. I think we'll get him right back here. We'll, we'll get his audio fixed a little up bit here. here. Just hang on. He was just going to get into it too. There you go, Tommy. You're back for back. us. All right. Let's talk about it a little bit. Let me see. I'm going to close a couple things on my end just in case that's me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I no mean, worries. basically getting into the overall conversation of where we are and kind of what's going on with the economy, I think it's I believe everything y'all said, and I want to go into that for a second, but then I want to flip to the other oh. side and say, here's a counter argument. I think that not as okay, many good. are looking at, but to start with, I think you're right. Consumer discretionary, a lot of the spending, a lot of those things are still going to get hit. I've been talking with people, my clients and also myself for two years about, okay, all this spending and all the toys we talked about it last time are going to come up and start really hitting the markets, the RVs, the trailers, like you were talking about earlier, Dennis, all that's yeah. exactly what is happening. And it was basically a scenario to where people had too much money and too much time and had to find something to do. And now they're back to having to work or figure out how to pay for everything and all that. And just don't want to realize they don't use the stuff nearly as much as they thought. Um, right. It is a big part of things, but the scenario that we have to look at on the other side is, is how is it and how hard is it going to hit things like housing? All that stuff is big, but it's not really, that's again, that's still typically discretionary spending. And as much as we see it in our ins and outs a lot, that's really only your probably top 30% of incomes during this downturn, typically maybe top 15% of incomes that really spend on a lot of that stuff during the downturn and during the pandemic, maybe it went to 30% because of the extra money. So we still have a large portion of the con of the uh, consumer and all that that is out there spending, but your point's very valid. I think it's going further down the pipe. Now, one thing I'm not sure we have uh, 
factored in because we haven't seen it yet, period, is this is really the first big rounds of layoffs and all of that in the tech industry we've ever seen in our generation. The mm -hmm. dot-com doesn't really count because those were just companies that didn't work that went out. It wasn't like Microsoft and Qualcomm and all them were cutting like they're, you're starting to see some now. And that goes to two sides of it. How much of that, y'all were talking about earnings recession and all that, and I agree with that to some extent, but how much is that going to be played into the fact that so many of these companies are so ridiculously bloated at this point that this is really just going to open things up pretty well. And that's what your investor is looking Making out them more for. Efficient. Some of these yeah, Making they're, them they're more efficient. much more efficient to where everybody's not getting the free lunch and free massage and nap time and everything else. Yeah. You know, the 10 hour months that a lot of these people joke about and some of these tech positions. I think a lot of that can be brought into uh, check a lot in an industry that's never had to deal with it before. So we'll probably hear a lot about it, but it may end up being a net positive. So that's why I mean, I agree with everything you're saying on that end. The consumer is going to struggle. You, so we've seen big changes in the amount of credit card debt versus savings, all of those numbers. Absolutely. But on the flip side of that as well, I think that one of the things I think people aren't or are maybe looking too much at is that everyone wants this in the first half. Everyone's really ready for this next leg. And, you know, the second half is going to be the half after we can kind of work way out. Let's think for a second and see, maybe it might be the opposite. After a year as tough as we had last year and kind of the relief we've started this year, could we see the markets move up the first half higher than most everybody expects, but not really break maybe that 43, 4,400 level, not break up there and then roll back over, that would be the most devastating for this investor right now because wow. so many people have wanted the bottom. They've wanted every bottom. And we've got a good bottom in October. Is it the bottom? Have no idea. But we got a good bottom. And even though we're right now at the downtrend line, which makes this a really do or die point, is being right here at the major downtrend line off the highs, if we can work our way through in the next week or so, that could be big into February, March. But that doesn't mean we're out of the woods, but it certainly would get a lot of people back on that side of the boat. Man, Tommy, that scares me too. And you're right. If that path happened, and I've talked about it too, the back half being okay, but I never considered that, hey, maybe I'm just a little bit early on this. Maybe we do okay in the first quarter. And it's the second quarter we fall off the cliff. So we could basically sucker more people into the market move up substantially that would be the pain trade people would be like okay i was wrong it's going to be a soft landing and then all of a sudden it falls off the cliff then and we catch all those new investors in those well, stocks Man, that would be bit. the worst case scenario and that goes a little bit to the fed scenario that they do pause because if they pause people are going to immediately think then they're going to lower next and this is where i think you're probably right and what y'all talked about as well is is it's likely they may pause and then it's just sticky for a good while and the economy will adjust to that and the companies will adjust to that, but the consumer may or may not. And that's the scenario to where that's where it could go sideways and back to up for a little while because people are hoping that, okay, we pause, now it's time to turn it down. I do think overall inflation is coming down and all of that. But again, remember, inflation isn't just goods and supply chain and all that. Really what inflation boils down to is printing money. 
And we've printed yeah. so much money in the last few years that money's trying to go somewhere and that's where the inflation is. Well, what's yeah. happened with that is that's made a lot of people not want to work. Between that and the continued transfer payments that you can get for governments, I heard somewhere, not my stat, but the, the average state, if you just get all the benefit transfer payments or whatever you can get, it's up to almost 50000 a year now without ever working. And so as long as those kind of things can continue, then it's hard to see the, the wage inflation coming down a whole lot. Wage inflation so, is tough to bring down. It's the stickiest thing. People do not want to take pay cuts and we refuse to take pay cuts. You can bring down the price of a yeah. good raw commodity prices fall easily. They're traded. They can fall easily. Wage inflation is something very, very difficult to bring down. And right now, people are expecting big wages. Exactly. And I think that's where this turned the corner and made it a longer term thing. I think if it was just the supply chain stuff and all that, and while that was, it would have been fine. But all the terrible, terrible uh, fiscal act action from Washington over the last four or five years has been just horrendous for jobs and productivity and innovation. None of that money is going for true productivity of our workers. It's to helping, quote unquote, helping people, which basically means don't work. All right. Now, of course, uh, we could talk about the jobs, but I'm going to skip forward to more next week's earnings and the bigger mm -hmm. earnings that are coming. Tommy, do you ex it seems like if you're expecting a better first half, you don't expect maybe a tape bomb from the big boys? Well, what I expect is, is the potential of uh, more of a positive outlook kind of scenario and how they do versus expectations. Again, it's not really how what the number is anymore. It's about what they say and their expectations are, especially as beaten down as people are. So if people are saying, you know, with these layoffs, we're getting things in control and cost are here and there. I think with the run we've had so far to start the year, that could put a little more fuel under it for a few more weeks if that positivity is there. If they all come out and say, no, the Fed just continuing to crush us, then, yeah, we can see a lot of the tape bomb type situations. But it's going to be a matter on how they sound. And basically, we've got a little bit of a run for the start of the year that's supporting things. And it just depends on how people are sounding right now and where it is versus those expectations. It's not about the number. We'll see what happens with those expectations. We definitely keep getting the kind of big tech to do these layoffs. Why would they be doing these layoffs if they expect a little bit better down the road? Um, because they're just so fat. Because they're just so completely and utterly bloated. You know what's the fat, though? It? You know what Go started home. it was that girl that put out that Facebook video. Remember and her, her day? Wasn't it Facebook? And she I was some viral. Video. Remember There's that video? TikTok and video. she was showing her day, day and she started, you know, with, you know, a nice little breakfast and then, you know, came in, worked, you know, in the office for 20 minutes and a trip to the gym <laughs> and then to the spa. And I'm like, I don't know if that was real or not, but I'm like, that was like the, 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 the fat that we're talking about cutting is we're talking about cutting that out. But the only I don't thing know is, if that's real, if that was real, but that was like the start of all of this. The only but thing, though, is so you, much of it is real. Sorry, once go ahead, you Tommy. cut the go ahead, Tommy. No, that's it. That's just what it is. And it's been in that industry for so long with zero pushback. So yeah. this is where we're starting to get pushback for the first time. I but, mean, we're um, talking about going to the four day work week. 
I mean, this is what, you know, everybody wants to go to is like, oh, yeah, we're going to the fort. If we go back 30 years ago, it was a six-day work week. And then it's a five-day work week. Now a four-day work week. And I mean, this is what the pandemic has done is YOLO. You only live once. So I don't want to live to work. I want to work work to live type deal. And I want to get paid more and work less. And that's corporate America. And that's the whole quiet quitting or whatever you want to call it. But that's not small businesses. Small businesses are out there grinding six or seven days a week, making it. And that's still a very large portion, even though they're not much of a voice right now. Again, we don't want to get off on a tangent, but that's the whole problem with places like Davos and WEF is when you have governments and high corporations and high elites start banding together, that's when we all run into trouble. So the bottom line is the small business guy out there is still grinding six days. It's the one who wants to go get that cush job. And the cush job is either a large corporation or a government job in this day and age. Now, the only thing that I'd have a question on, of course, is if you are cutting the fat and yeah, that's okay to cut the fat, you cut it now, but down the road, our salary is going to get lower or higher? They'd get higher, wouldn't they? If you go to rehire that same employee, it's going to be, you're going to have to pay that employee more, not less than you would now. Yeah, continue. it's like a market. It's the same thing as any other market. If you end up having a bunch of other people that are laid off as well, your choices are greater and that person's going to have to make the decision unless you just can't live without them. So, you I, know, they're going to have to say, is it worth it to me? It's like any other market. It's a job market. I mean, it's going to be priced and based on what the availability and demand is. Yeah, I just think that the wage inflation isn't going away uh, anytime soon. We've it's been seeing like McDonald's. fast. But I do know the low end won't. But I do think like all your builders and contractors and all that, what they were making the last four or five years, that's going to come down as the building scenario slows. Um, and it's going to be more difficult. I mean, again, it's 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 just going to it is going to be tougher across the board. And the Fed is determined. And that's one of the things I wanted to mention. And I mentioned to a letter of my clients this week is that the bottom line is the Fed it's the old adage of if all you have a ha- is a hammer, everything's a nail. The Fed has one basic tool, which is to basically slow the economy, which is A, through the stock market and B, through the to, through killing jobs, basically. The unfortunate part is that it's affecting the lowest end people who get hit hurt the most. And that's ridiculous why these people sit up in their pious offices and just say, oh, this is how we have to do it. But that's what they're doing. And the, the the analogy is I heard someone say on Twitter, I wish I knew who it was so I could give credit. But, you know, in a century from now, we're going to look back and killing jobs in order to fight inflation is going to be like the bloodletting of the medical field a century ago. Mm. Just bleeding people out saying this is what's going to get out the whatever's making you sick. That's not how it works. And that's what they're trying to accomplish. And I think if Absolutely. they keep rates, rates up here for long enough, they're going to accomplish it. And they're not going to be happy with what they've accomplished. I'm agreeing with you, Tommy. Well, Powell was better than a lot of other, and I hate to use this analogy, but I almost use the analogy with Powell to where he's at a point now to where he's kind of like Fauci, where this is his Super Bowl. He's been preparing for this his whole career. And so now at this point, it will let go. Even if the evidence shows, maybe you should back off a little bit, buddy. So unfortunately, I really hate to compare those two because I do like Powell better. But I think that's an, an unfortunate analogy with anybody who gets in power these days.
All right. Now, if you do see that kind of higher first half, what type of stock should we be looking at? I saw outside my window. Hope y'all can still hear me. Uh, basically, right now, I still think energy has a good chance, especially with the China opening stuff. I missed the first round of a lot of the China stuff. So I think if it can come down a little bit and work its way into giving another potential entry, I think that can have some legs, too, unless they run into some kind of big relapse. It's been a wonderful run and it makes sense. And so there are plays on that to where even if our economy does not do that well, this is the first time in probably a decade I'm looking at Europe and, and more overseas with some of the opportunities if Powell keeps his foot on the uh, on the gas or on the throats is a better way to put it of our consumers. Um, however, uh, over here, I still like, you know, recently I, I picked up for clients right at the beginning of the year communication services just because it was one of the most beat up. But you had companies in there like Meta and like Google. You all talked about some of these others that were just at a point to where they're still big cash cows, big money players, and they've just gotten crushed. So it was basing out down there. It looked like it wanted to come out of that little bitty consolidation at the bottom as the year started. So it looked like, say, hey, you know, worth a shot against that small flag there at the bottom. So as long as that works, that's continuing to kind of work its way higher. I think that some of the technology is going to, again, if we do see my theory of the first half outperforming or the first quarter to half, then technology is probably going to get a chunk of that because that's optimism. You All know, right, Tommy. Software, too, I think is something you ought to look at at the moment. Definitely software is definitely getting that nice January effect. We'll look to see if it can continue. Tommy Lackey, Managing Partner, Portfolio Manager at Relativity Capital Advisors. Definitely check out powerinvesting.com. We'll have you back on, Tommy. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Take Tommy. Take care. Don't let those aliens get you, Tommy. Yeah. ET phone home. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. Uh, wrap that up. So I just wanted to kind of keep the background noise to a minimum, but we got some good insight there. And I oh, he's great. I mean, Tommy, I feel uh, like, and he brought a whole new scenario yeah. to the show here this morning. Something that I haven't been talking about. What if it's good in the first half and bad in the second half? I keep saying it's going to be bad in the first half and good and, and, and better in the second half. I think there's a path. I think it's going to fall off a cliff and then eventually the Fed's going to start to cut rates and then we're going to rally from there. So again, I don't know, like my buy signal, I think yours too, Money Mitch, is going to be when the Fed actually starts cutting rates. That's going to be, or when they start actually talk about cutting rates, that's going to be, you know, the time to buy the stocks. But who knows? It could be farther down the road, like Tommy says, and maybe we sucker more people in. Maybe we get a rally here right now, sucker more people in, and then fall off the cliff in the back half of 2023. That would be a bad scenario for the markets. Yeah, I do see that as a bad, uh, bad scenario. My biggest thing is I'm just staying with the longer outlook of not fighting the Fed. I agree. Fed clearly saying sustained 2%. Not only yeah. 2% now, yeah. now it's sustained. Yeah. And, and so with that case, I mean, hey, if you're looking at the charts, yeah, just look at technicals. That looks a little bullish. If I look at the stories, the fundamentals behind the market, this doesn't make me excited about the market. So I think if you're looking at it in a bullish sense, I think you're trying to put a narrative to the technicals. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stick with what we have, which is the Fed telling us they're going to continue fighting inflation to 2%. And wage stickiness, that doesn't go away. Once 
I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about it like this. Yeah, you can, let's say, fire the CFO that's making 200000 right? But if the guy next to him is making 200000 when you go to hire that person back, are you going to be able to give them a 180, 160? No, they're going to look at relative to who's working there. And they're going to see that that person's making 200. They're going to ask for 200 also. I, I just don't see how wages are going to go down. It's really hard because to you're cutting in. jobs. I mean, that just does, it's really hard to bring happen. the wage inflation down, obviously. And then we got to think of the repercussions. If you continue to get, you know, the fat trimmed out, these were major consumers. The person making $250,000 a year at Google or Facebook is a major consumer in the market because one, some of them weren't working that hard for the money. So they probably didn't respect it as much too. They're just spending like crazy. So, I mean, this comes right back, you know, obviously, you know, there's half, you know, let's just call it out. Half the U.S. has struggled even through the good times. You know, half the people have struggled even through the good times, living paycheck to paycheck. That really didn't even change during, it got a little bit better during 2020 when you were getting the money from the government, but still, a lot of people really still struggled. It's the other, like, you know, 50% that, you know, really consume, that really get the economy going, that are buying all the toys, that are buying all the other stuff, going on the expensive trips. It's that 50% that could feel a little bit of the cash crunch. And again, the rich people never feel the cash, cash crunch. Mm -hmm. But I talked to this with my landscape guy who works for a lot of high-end customers. And he's like, the, the, the thing is, and he says he's lost a couple of jobs. And he's like, it's not even about you know interest rates with my customers. It's about wealth loss. And, and it's like these, they have the job. The rich people still have the money to do these jobs, but they're just pissed off. And they're like, okay, I've just watched my net worth in the stock market fall 25%. I don't feel like going spending $300,000 on landscaping this year. I don't feel like going and doing this next big project because I'm mad mm -hmm. about it. And I mean, that's the whole other thing is the rich always have the money to consume, but they got to be in the mindset to do it. Now, again, we're only talking about the, you know, the top 10% there. And then you got the middle class, which has been living the rich style for a long time because it's been, you know, good times are rolling. That's yep. the part of the economy that could really suffer. It's that middle class that's been living above their means. That could actually be brought down heavily if interest rates start or, or if interest rates continue to no stay longer where they are. the nine packages from amazon a week you know you might see them slow down to four or three packages a week right that's why amazon's cutting some people <laughs> again you know it's it's minimal compared to their entire workforce but i think there Definitely. could be more layoffs coming i think this is the first round here's what i think i think you're seeing the first round of cuts I don't think it's like, okay, we're done. You know, we got this a million is not people the danger. Employed. We're cutting 15,000 jobs. I think we're seeing the first round of cuts right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why I do believe there's going to be a time where it's going to be these corporate earnings are going to start to fall. Not even about not growing quickly, actually starting to decline. And that's going to be like, oh, crap, the Nordstrom moments. I mean, we're seeing it in Nordstrom today. But, you know, we have not seen any earnings decline in Microsoft. Any earnings decline in Apple, any earnings decline. Could you imagine if you get to a scenario where Microsoft, all of a sudden, their earnings aren't growing, but they're actually not going up at all or potentially declining? Not going to trade for 26 times multiple if that happens, I'll tell you yeah. that. So that's why you've just got to be careful with what you're paying for right now. You've got to be careful. When you're paying 26 times earnings, you're expecting significant growth. I don't think the growth is going to be there to sustain that. And that's why I stick with low PE stocks right now. I've got a lot of drug stocks. You can see what I've bought recently is drugs because people will still buy their drugs. And I'm buying the multiples, the ones that have reasonable value.
valuations like the Bristol Myers come down far enough. Kramer favorite. I'm with you, Kramer, on this one. I'm not with you on a lot, but I'm with you on this one. It's come down quite a bit. It's had a good couple of days. Pfizer, I was early again. Obviously, I'm always early, like Spinner says, and it's true. Um, but I do think eventually Pfizer is a stock that I want to hold if we're going into tougher times, as opposed to maybe you just want to hold all cash, go 5.1%. That's a path too. I just don't think this is the investing environment that, hey, yeah, we're going to buy Tesla at $129 because it's going back to 403 years and we're going to make all this money. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, let's move to the next headline we want to get into. Let's cover the healthcare, and then we'll get to Ally Financial. One, one more point before we go off on it. Definitely. Akash making a fantastic point in the chat. Yeah, Akash let's talk about saying, that. I still see big lines at Lululemon in Canada, so I don't think people have stopped spending completely. Absolutely, Akash, you were spot on. People mm-hmm. haven't stopped spending yet. That's yeah. what's to come. That's the whole problem, is that we have not got to a recession yet. We have not stopped spending yet. It's what's coming. That's what's coming. That hasn't happened yet. That's why it happened at Nordstrom. People are slowing down a little bit. But at the good companies like Lululemon, it hasn't slowed down yet. But you know what? That's sharp back to the zero hedge. Cash going down. Cash going down because people are spending and they're not making as much. Credit card going up because people are spending and not making as much. At a certain point when your cash is going to zero and your credit card debt is maxed out, that's when the spending stops. And mm-hmm. that's what's coming to cash. And that's what we're preparing for on this show. And that's why I sit with almost 50% cash. It's not that I'm trying to say that we're in a recession right now. If we were in the recession, I would probably be more bullish because that means better times ahead. But we're here. Recession is here. Better times are here. We've got to get through this middle part first. And that's the most difficult part. So I don't want to be all in this market, get hammered with the recession. I don't know when it's going to happen. To Tommy's point, maybe it doesn't happen until the back half of 2023. But if it happens, stocks are going to go down, and I'm going to get that opportunity. So what I'm thinking is eventually I'm going to get that opportunity to put that 50% cash to work at cheaper prices on these stocks. That's my point. We will have to find out, right? I mean, like always, um, some will say that we're you know in an optimistic time. Some will say we're in a pessimistic time. You guys find out what side of the coin you guys are on. Let's keep going. Uh, Lily, of course, having important news. Let's cover that. Uh, LLY, you guys can see it. Let's go towards it. You guys can see that took a hit there. Um, this came after the FDA rejecting Eli Lilly's uh, Alzheimer's disease drug needs more data due to limited number of patients with at least 12 months of drug exposure data provided in the submission. So it looks like they need to go back and do some more studies here for the FDA to yeah. kind of review this again. So uh, definitely taking a little bit of a hit here. And also just to bring it in, also uh, Regenron upgrade now. This one's a little bit different, right? This one's getting a little bit of a pop off of JP Morgan upgrading Regenron saying that they announced an $850 price target and says that the eye drug that they have could boost shares nearly 20%. So just to bring in those two healthcare stocks. Um, Lily, I love Lily as a company. Again, just the multiple expanded too much that I let it go. I don't remember when I let it go. It was a couple years ago though. And again, I believe I originally bought Lily I think it was like 30 bucks. Like, I don't know if you can go that far back on the charts, Mitch, but I'm just going from my memory, but I feel like it was like 30 or $40. You got to go way back to find that price. Like, I mean, way back. I bought it like 15 years ago. I can go back to the eighties, man. 
Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, so when, when is those years? Uh, 09 through like there you go. 2012. Yeah, so forty fifty dollars. That was when I originally bought it, and then yeah. you know it's went up and up and up and up and up, and I just feel like it's gone up so much um, that I just feel like That's the nice. multiples expanded. Everybody's pumped about the obviously you know the the drug, the, the Alzheimer's drug, or you know there's a lot of other good drugs coming. Fantastic company. Just <laughs> needs to get back down to a reasonable multiple. Like what's the multiple on Lily? You know, you're not talking about a nine times earnings or an eight times earnings. You're talking about more than that. And drugs typically trade with under a market multiple. I believe this is trading over a market multiple. Yeah, I think this is like 41. I mean, again, the earnings are going to grow here like crazy though, because there's so many new drugs in the pipe. So, you know, it is going to be able to grow into some of these earnings here. But give me a, like a knockdown to a reasonable valuation. I'll be all over Lily. All right, we'll see if it comes back. There is a little gap zone that we've come in the past. Prior, we came also in November 14th. You could look to the left. You can see the high from October 21, uh, 342.43. We'll look to see if we hang on to that zone again. Don't want to see it break through that. But if you're looking for the rebound, I'll look for somewhere near there to find some support. We'll see what happens in Eli Lilly. Let's do Regenron. Regenron will look for that type of recovery. You can see you came back here towards like monthly support. You could see it on the monthly chart. It tried to, it's like a prior resistance starting to act as support. A couple of monthly candles right around here, around the 702. And then you got to hear 694. So that's 700 area. We we'll definitely want to see it hold now. Let's see if it can start coming back to 740 and 750 on Regenron. I like Regeneron multiple better, but again, the stock's run a long ways too in the last couple of years. Some of that COVID-driven, which scares me on everything. I still like Moderna too, folks. I mean, again, mm -hmm. the one thing, I just don't know how much revenue is going to fall when we all stop giving, getting the next jab. I mean, I don't intend to get any more jabs. And there's a lot of other people that are maybe in the same boat. It's like, nah, I'm just not getting any more. So I'm not sure how much it falls because they have other drugs they're cooking up. So that's going to pick up the slack. So, I mean, you look at a Moderna and you think, oh, it's trading six, seven, eight times earnings, got all these other drugs, how it can go wrong. But the core cash cow business yeah. is going to start going down. There's not going to be as many jabs happening. And Pfizer, you could argue the same thing, but Pfizer's core cash cow is still a hell of a lot of other drugs. So Moderna still, they're not the one trick point because they're getting other drugs going, but still their one trick is the major cash cow for this business. And that trick is going to go down. It's not as, you know, it's not like everybody's going and getting more boosters. I'll tell you that. You know, there's people who are getting less boosters. Did you get your next booster, Mitch? Well, I only got two, but uh, oh, you only I did think... the two as well. Yeah, the I only two did boosters the two. or the two original shots? No, the two original shots. I didn't even yeah. go to boosters. There's so many people that's in the same boat. Um, I just, do you intend to get any more shots? COVID no, I don't, in, I don't intend. I tried to get the, the basic coverage. I'll say that. And then what do I do for my health care? I get basic coverage too. So I don't feel it. I don't, I don't get sick often. Team. Yeah. I'm not in the doctor. Maybe I go to the doctor once a year and it's for a checkup. It's usually not because I'm even sick. So in that case... I'm probably not. But one thing I would keep in mind, though, Dennis, is you got to remember there's the educational school board, right? And things like that, which will probably require it, right? I mean, no, I don't think so. I, I think, think they're moving kids? away from it. I, in, in Ontario, they've moved away from it completely. I mean, you can yeah, do everything. Your vaxxed. kids are not required to have it. Nothing. You can do everything you want pretty much unvaxxed now. Well, I so, guess Canada, I mean, they've realized Canada, they've realized Canada, that's right? correct that the vaccine, <laughs> getting vaxxed doesn't stop you from spreading it. It just, you know, they say it just potentially stops you from getting as sick. I'm challenging even that now. I'm not sure that's all correct because I see a lot of people on vax and a lot of people 
getting just, you know, not as sick as, you know, some people who are vaxxed. I mean, I was vaxxed and boosted and I had COVID pretty hard. So I don't know, but you know, it's not a vax show. We're not talking about that. The reason I just cannot go in and buy Moderna right now though, is I think there's a lot of people with you and my yeah. mindset that was like, I don't need any more of these shots. I'm not that scared of the, of the virus anymore. It doesn't seem to be much worse than the flu for most people. And, you know, I just don't feel like just going and getting a shot every six months. So I think I, there's going to be some people that will always get the shot, but I think it's going to be less people getting those shots. I like the I like the Moderna over the bio and tech. So I see that chart. That chart doesn't look like it's bouncing anywhere near. Uh, Moderna is probably more of the play that I would like there. Yeah, I'd like stay that. away from BioNTech because they don't even have anything else in the pipe at all. Exactly. There so, you I mean, go, At least Dennis, Moderna's so. cooking up, you know, and we talk about they're using this mRNA technology for so many other things, cooking up, obviously, the flu vaccine and talking recently on other vaccines. I mean, they're doing other things. So I'd stay away from the one-trick, pure one-trick ponies like Novavax, which they came out with it way too late, just very, very poorly run to be take that long to get the Vax out there. They get the Vax out at the end of the pandemic, and that's why the stock is where it is. And uh, BioNTech, I just, you know, I'd rather be in Pfizer than BioNTech. All right, let's keep going. Let's get towards Ally Financial as uh, my bank, right? It's my bank here. Let's go towards it. Ally Financial getting a nice little pop off their yeah. earnings. Uh, EPS at $1.08 beat the dollar estimate. Sales at $2.2 billion beat the $2.05 billion estimate. And nice little lift there, right? We'll see what happens here in Ally. I'm so torn going? on the banks. I'm so torn here because yeah, if rates tough. stay up, they are making more money because of those rates. But there's a tipping point. And if we go into recession, then all of a sudden the bank earnings fall off a cliff too because they're cyclical as well. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. So I'm torn. If, you can, if you, they can manage a soft landing, if they can, the banks will be the best buy out there because you know the interest rates stay up. For the foreseeable future, we don't go in a recession. That's a beautiful banking environment. And the banks have, are fairly cheap, too. Like a lot of them, you know, trading, especially the Canadian ones. I mean, some of these Canadian banks trade eight, nine times earnings. I mean, part of me, and I do own a few of them. I own the Bank of Montreal Legacy. My wife worked there for a long time, so I have a lot of Bank of Montreal stock just from her. Um, I've got CIBC, which is CM. Um, I've had Bank of Nova Scotia. Um, I sold it recently on the recent rise up. It came back up here to resistance. I'm just like, I'm still worried about the whole recession thing. What's, but what's, I won't that? argue with you. If you're buying some of these Canadian banks, the valuations are very reasonable. The dividends are awesome. BNS, 5.89%. I mean, the one problem is just if we go into a recession, these bank earnings are going to go down too. And that's my concern. Well, I will let you know, at least for Ally Financial, something that is coming up on the 31st, you get ex-dividend date, right? We'll keep that in mind. Uh, they do have a 4.4% yield. Uh, that's going to be for the 31st, so about 11 days from now. Um, this is payable on February 15th. Uh, and their yield on their uh, dividend keeps increasing. So I think that that's also attracting people to Ally we're not in any for a little bit of income environment where the banks are going to start cutting dividends and stuff. We're not even like close to that. I don't mind the banks here. I don't mind. There is some good. And, and again, you know, maybe we just got to look outside the box. You know, I, I, I bought a little while ago. I bought, you know, again, and, and, and I'm Canadian. So there's some Canadian listeners, but I bought some Canadian tire stock. I mean, this is one of the core businesses in Canada. It's it's sells everything. They're always reasonable prices there. It actually can hold up well during a recession too. 
Um, so it's got like the whole department store aspect, but it's got obviously auto business as well. You know, fixing your cars, doing tires, main thing. Um, CTC.A is a ticker symbol in Canada on that one. Um, I bought it. I'm up about 10 points in it already, actually. it's I bought it. It's a train eight and a half times earnings. I mean, it's a retailer, so it can get hit. But again, it's kind of, you know, a similar business model almost to like Walmart and stuff. They don't have the grocery aspect of it, but so many things. You need tools. You need consumer, you know, just different consumer products there. You know, my Christmas lights I go by there. They're the cheapest place to always go. There's consumer still goes to these types of places during a recession. <laughs> so I, I like that one on a pullback. I've, and again, I bought it a little while ago. So it's up 10 points now, but on a pullback, I'd like it more. You're looking at the bargain stocks here too. Big lots, <laughs> OLI, Oli. The Oli. Yeah, I saw these getting a little yeah. bit of a bounce there with the January effect. Um, but we'll see what happens. Like always, team. Uh, find out, like always, you guys will keep along with us. We got live trading that will be coming up next. It's 9.04. Let's start wrapping up. Spy, overall, not doing anything. <laughs> it seems like it, right? It's on the pause right now. We'll see if we actually get a ramp up or a ramp down. What are levels to look for today? We'll look to see if we look to the left, right? Daily levels. Do we get back towards 386? Cutting through there, I'd be a little bit concerned. Of course, we got the 387.26 yesterday. We'll look to see if we break through that level. Upside levels to look for, I'd be looking for above, kind of the little bit of the gap there. Let's see if we can get back towards like 391.50s. If we can do that, maybe we can start climbing the wall of worry. We'll see what happens today. Tesla overall getting a little bit of a bounce here. I'll do Apple also. A little bit of a bounce for me. Apple is definitely one to watch. You guys yeah. know how I'm looking at that tr- kind of trend line reversal. Do we come back towards 140 or do we start cutting through 135, cutting through yesterday's low of 133? We'll see what happens in Apple. A lot of people will be watching these stocks. And one Any thing last to consider today, folks, it is options expiration. We haven't yes. mentioned that here yet. It's very important to mention that because you mm-hmm. often get turns in the market on options expirations. Um, you get usually, you know, some pretty crazy opens and crazy closes can happen where you get big institutions jockeying your, uh, the, the stocks against their open option positions. So you can see some wicked moves on the open and the close. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes it'll get you out of your stock at a decent price too. So if you want to get your price out, sometimes it's a good idea to have your orders out there on this day. I'm a more of a liquidity provider on these days because sometimes you just see some crazy open stocks, trade trading in the pre-market opens here. I would short it. Stock trading here in the pre-market opens here. I would buy and a lot of times you see them come right back in. So it's a good day to play a liquidity provider when you are um, looking at, you know, uh, um, options expiration. All right. Like always, guys, hit the like, hit the subscribe. If you guys enjoyed today's show and definitely stick around, we got more for you guys on Benzinga. Dennis, you have a good one, man. Trade on your Friday and have a hell of a weekend. Hope you enjoy it out there and be careful with those wolves I know. Out on the lake. Did you show the pick? You showed the pick, didn't you? Did you show we'll, the pick? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it right quick here. Look at, look, there. Look at this. There it is. Team. That's in front of my house. Look at that, this. That, the, raccoon, the raccoon got ate up, and now the wolf's there to get. I wish it'd take the whole body away. You choose it's to look what at. you want to be in the market today. Do you want to be the raccoon or be the wolf? I don't I know about you guys. I'm, is that I'm a wolf or a coyote? Does anybody know? I don't know the difference. I, I think don't know. Maybe wolf, the tail. I don't know. Who knows? But I'll tell you one thing. Does anybody know if that's a wolf or a coyote? That's right in front of my house this morning. I'm not messing up. with that thing, Dennis. <laughs> Somebody's got to know in the chat. Is that a wolf or a coyote? 
I think it's a wolf. Somebody said coyote, though. Jim's, Jim Lee says coyote. RJ says coyote. Edson says wolf. Raptor says wolf. David, oh, that's mixed. It's 50-50. Nobody knows. That's Jay how Wild it is. It's a, a fox. <laughs> Wolves are much bigger. They're saying coyote. All right. It's coyote. I'm calling it a coyote. Chat, right. you're awesome. I learned so much from this chat. I just coyote ugly. a wolf and a coyote. Wolf is bigger. We'll see what happens today. You guys have a great trading day. Like always, pre-market prep will be here for you guys. Smash the like button. No stock market movers today. You have a good one, Dennis. We'll get see you guys. out of here. Have a great Chat, love that one. <laughs> That's what it's all about here. We'll get you guys to live trading coming up. I do want to let you guys know the book club starting up Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. You guys will see something hit your boxes today already scheduled to come out. We're going to be talking about, of course, my favorite trading book, Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. Don't miss that team. We did get a lot of people joining us. It's going to be fun. We'll start this Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Also, we'll give you guys the link so you guys can get the free preview. If you haven't gotten your book, don't worry. We're just going to talk about the first chapter. And you can see that as simply on Google with their preview. Get the first chapter for free. So check that out, team. I'll see you guys on Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, if you guys are joining in with the book club. And for those that don't join, you guys will still see some action come out on our YouTube. It's just going to be more of the edited version. You won't get all the good stuff. Put it that way. Well, I'll see you guys over on live trading coming up next. Don't miss it. Lord Ryan and I get after the uh, action here. I'll throw up the link one more time here. And you guys hit that up. We'll see you guys in a little bit on live trading. Coyote or Wolf, which one will you be today? Find out. Let's see on live trading. <laughs> Oh,